Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Several, several months ago, I shared it here and I told you that I felt like God was, I felt like there was a shift that was, that was coming. And I believe that we're, we are in that shift. And anytime that God makes a shift in a particular church, the shift happens in the people. It happens in the people. God shifts the people. The people begin to think differently. The old gear that they were in is no longer the right gear because God is saying, I want you to shift. I don't know if you've ever driven an old standard shift vehicle. And it's got three forward gears. And when you get in that second gear, and you're driving along and you want to go faster and you wonder why it's not going faster and you realize I didn't make the third shift and so you shift it into high gear and it just releases it and you're wide open that's what happens when God wants to make a shift you're driving along and you've been doing the same thing for years and years and all of a sudden, you feel like that something's not exactly right. And you're wondering what it is. And then Holy Spirit says, I want you to sh shift into another gear. Yeah, you. You. I want you to shift gears. All of a sudden, where you've been a saved tater all these years and a spectator all these years, God is saying now, I've brought you from being a saved tater and I've let you be a spectator, but now I want you to be a participator. Some of you, God is saying, I am bringing you from being an instigator to a facilitator. Where in the world I'm getting all these taters from, I don't know. But you understand what I'm saying. Listen, when you find yourself in a place in your life, where natural means cannot get you out. God is saying it's time to make a shift. My friends in Team Challenge, you know all about it. God is saying to some of you guys today, you've struggled, you've battled, 
you fought with hell and all of that, but God is saying it's about time to make a shift. It's about time. Listen. It's about time to make a shift. And I want you to get this word that I'm fixing to give you this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Can you give our worship team a great big hand this morning? I want to I give this this morning, and I'm not going to be long, but I really feel that this is, this is a word that God wants you to get this morning. We've been, we've been in this area for about the past probably month or month and a half, two months maybe, Several weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me about the power of the hand. And when it came to my spirit, I said, Lord, what are you saying? The power of the hand. And so I began to, to get in the scripture and I began to look because I, 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 I said, you know, I know there's power on your right hand. The right hand of, of the Father is where uh, Jesus is. And, and I understood all that. I said, God, I don't understand what you're talking about, about the power of the hand. Holy Spirit took me to this passage of Scripture in James chapter 5 and verse 16. Begin with verse 16. And, and I'm going to try not to be long, but I, want, I just want, to, I want you to get this word this morning. James chapter 5 and verse 16, James said this, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Notice that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then in verse 17, <clears throat> he said this, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, Elijah, this great, great prophet in 1 Kings, this, this great prophet that went up on Mount Carmel, that, that destroyed the prophets of Baal, this great prophet that called fire down from heaven and God consumed the sacrifice. James said that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, he was simply saying Elijah was a man that was affected by similar things as we are. He had to deal with some of the same issues as you and I do. In other words, he was a man, he was human. He was fleshly. But notice this. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. 
and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Notice that Elijah prayed that it might not rain. We use this verse a lot, but we miss that little part. That Elijah prayed that the rain would stop. He prayed that the heavens would dry up. And there would be no rain on the earth. In other words, that was a warfare that Elijah was praying and engaged in because he saw the idolatry that was going on in his country, in his nation. Listen, don't ever think, ladies and gentlemen, that the chaos that's happening in our nation, the chaos that's going on with our media outlets and all this other stuff that's going on in our nation, don't ever think that you don't have power and authority to deal with those issues. One man saw the idolatry of King Ahab and Jezebel. He saw the Baal worship and all of that in the land. He saw what was happening in his country. And somewhere along the line, Elijah got on his face and began to pray. And the only way that he knew to deal with it was to confront the forces of darkness right in their front door. And he prayed, God, shut up the heavens, stop the rain, because Baal worship is all about the gods that provide the rain and all of that. So Elijah prayed that it might not rain. The Bible says that it stopped raining. There was neither dew nor anything that came from heaven for the space of over three years. Shut down. That's what led to Elijah being able to go up on Mount Carmel and have the confrontation with the prophets of Baal. Remember that? We talked about that. But the Bible says that he prayed again and the the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. I want to real quickly, I want to give you three things and then I'm going to move on. These are three things that you and I are responsible for. If you want to see a move of God in your life, These are three things that you must grasp and understand. The first thing, it is my responsibility as a a child of God, it is my responsibility to break up the fallow ground. In other words, to, to allow, to submit my life to God where it's like the farmer that, that wants a, a harvest. He doesn't get a harvest without first going out and breaking up the ground, preparing the ground for planting. The second responsibility that I have is to sow the seed in the ground. And the third thing that God requires of me is that I wait for the harvest. So my responsibility is to 
break up the ground. In other words, let God plow up my life, plow up the ground in my life, and prepare my heart for the seed of the Word of God. And then, secondly, is to take that Word of God and ingest it into my life so that, that through that Word, a harvest will come in my life. So in order to save time, man, you're getting a short version today. I want, I want you to get that we read this ver- these verses in James 5, 16 through 18 a lot. But if you go up to verse 7, you'll, get, you'll see where James began to talk about being patient unto the coming of the Lord. And he talked about how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rain. And he said, you also be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And what James was talking about was the early rain the Jews would wait, the, the, uh, the people of that day would wait for the early rain. And when the early rain would come, it would water the earth. And then when, when the rain would come, they would sow the seed in the field. And the, the moisture that had been produced by the early rain would allow the seed to grow and bring forth uh, fruit. And then uh, they would wait for the latter rain. And that latter rain would come, and it would mature that, that crop. It would mature it and get it ready for harvest. So it was a former rain and a latter rain. And so what would happen is that, that they, would, they would sow the seed after this former rain, and then the latter rain would come, and it would produce, it would cause the, the fruit to mature, and after that, the harvest would come. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, the former rain was poured out on the earth, Acts chapter 2. The former rain was poured out. And ever since the day of Pentecost, we've been in that, that harvest time or that, that sowing time of sowing the gospel, of, of presenting the gospel that people would be saved. But I believe that where we are now, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are in that season of the latter rain. That latter rain that's coming, and it's going to be that rain that's going to come, that's going to uh, produce or get the, the harvest ready for Jesus to come back. That's what Joel was talking about in Joel chapter 2 and verse uh, 28 when he talked about that God was going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh and that rain would come. The former rain and the latter rain. But here's the thing. In 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to get away from my notes so I can, what you get is going to be Holy Spirit. 
1 Kings chapter 18, we have that story of where Elijah had confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He had dealt with the prophets of Baal. Remember what we talked about several weeks ago? Deal with your demons. Deal with stuff that's in your life that robs you of your blessing. Deal with the stuff in your life that shuts you down, that causes you to stumble. Quit playing games with those strongholds and those things in your life. Don't play with the snake. He will bite. So deal with those things. So that is a picture of Elijah Dealing with the prophets of Baal is a picture of dealing with those things in your life, that, that, those false gods. And so those things were dealt with. And then Elijah turns to Ahab and says, go home or go eat. Go get you some lunch because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Now remember that it had not rained for three and a half years. But Elijah looks at Ahab after he's slain all the prophets of Baal and says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Can I tell you something this morning? In my spirit, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But catch this. The Bible says that Elijah and his servant on the mountain. And Elijah put his head down between his knees and began to pray again. The same prayer that stopped the rain was the same prayer that would start the rain. The same prayer that brought it to fruition to where the demonic powers that had held that nation in check had been broken, were broken by prayer. They were not broken by a social club gathering. They were broken by prayer. They were not broken by some Ph.D. standing up with a list of rules and regulations for somebody to do. They were broken by a prophet of God that had a, had a burden from God that got on his face and began to intercede for the nation of Israel. And God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to break that bondage. Amen. And that power was broken. The chains were broken. But here's the thing. Listen, you will never get what God wants you to get until Baal is dealt with in your life. But when you deal with Baal, when you submit the authority of Baal to the authority of God, and God begins to work in your life, then the next step that will happen, and it will happen, is that there will be a rain that will be heard. There will be a sound of an abundance of rain. All through Scripture, all through history, there has never been a time where the nation went into a backslidden state that they fell on their face and began to pray and call on God that God didn't come and move on their behalf. 
So here's Elijah, and I believe this is where we are. I believe this is where we are. It ain't got anything to do with your Baptist, your Pentecostal, your charismatic, whatever ice cream flavor you are. Sound good about right now, don't it? Here's where we are. God, over and over this, this month, January, God, over and over, gave us opportunity to deal with Baal. Yes. And so when you deal with Baal, with Baal it's bloody. It's nasty. But here, Elijah has got his head between his legs and he's praying. And he prays a little bit and he looks at his servant. He says, go up to the top of the mountain and look and see if there's any clouds. One, two, three, four, five, six times he goes up, comes back, nothing. Elijah puts his head between his legs and begins to pray. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But it says that Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain. Sometimes the little prayer will dry it up. But it's the big prayer that will bring the flood. Elijah's praying, looks at his servant, says, go up to the top of the mountain and look. The servant came running back to him. I, I, saw, I saw a little cloud there. It's about the size of a man's hand. Can you imagine that? I wanted, I started to get the girls to get me a, a, a picture or a video of something that could, that could do that. But can you imagine the cl a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up? It had to be very small, very tiny, but yet... This servant saw it. He runs back to Elijah and says, I see a cloud rising up out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. Notice this. Elijah jumps up, says, go tell Ahab. He better get started home because the rain is coming. And here's what Holy Spirit said. I could have said this 20 minutes ago, but it wouldn't have been near as exciting. Here's what Holy Spirit said. He said, son, I am teaching my church to respond to the cloud about the size 
of a man's hand. Did you get that? Ask, ask Andrew if he got it. You, be, you better. <laughs> you better get it. Wow, okay. see we've been praying for things we've been believing for things you've been believing for breakthrough in your life you've been believing for God to set you free of some things you've been believing for the big things to happen in your life but you leave your umbrella at home You see, we pray for rain, but we don't tote an umbrella. See, when I tote this umbrella, that means that I'm expecting rain. I know I'm making my sons-in-laws nervous by coming down through here. Catch him, Tad, before he gets out. I'm going to get him. <laughs> but why do I tote this umbrella? Pastor, the sun is shining. We hadn't seen that in many days. But the sun is shining. Did y'all see Pastor walking around with an umbrella? He has lost his mind. Did you see Winston walking outside with an umbrella? He even brought it in. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? You see, Elijah, Elijah prayed and he went up on top of the mountain. And he carried an umbrella because he was expecting that what he asked God to do, God was going to do it. He was believing, Brother Carl, that the same God that answered three and a half years earlier that shut the rain down, that opened the door for me to deal with my demons, that opened the door for me to break that addiction from over my life. I'm going up on a mountain 
because God has broken the chains in my life now. And I believe that since he broke the chains in my life, there's a ladder rain that's about to fall. And I'm going up on the mountain and I'm going to pray and ask him to send that rain. It might not look like anything to you, but I've got an expectancy that nobody else has. The cloud, listen, the cloud might seem so small that you can't hardly see it with a naked eye, but that's all my faith needed to see. I don't need to see a storm cloud coming. All I need to see is just a little bitty spot in the in the sky that lets me know that there's a chance of rain. So here's my umbrella. Everything that God does, he does it through faith. But we've been waiting for the big things, and we've been missing the little things. When all the while, God has given us such a beautiful picture because you started from a little seed. Look how big I am now. But it started with a little seed. You see, God, contrary to what man does, man looks for the big things. But God said, if I just got just a little grain of sand. Man, it's, it's hard to quit right now. You see, it's those little things that God says the church has missed. Because God said, I am faithful. I am a faithful God. I am the God that cannot lie, Sister Deborah. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wonder Several, several years ago, I love you, baby, but several years ago, my wife loves to fish, and we don't get to go very, very often, and when we go, it's usually a rush job and, and all that, but we went, to make a long story short, we went fishing late one evening, and, you know, uh, we had to stop and eat fish at the restaurant before we went to catch fish. And by the time we stopped and ate fish at, at Dixie Landing when it was open, it was about dark and, and so we launched the boat and it was cloudy. So we got down, down, way down the river and my little John boat and we anchored out. The water was up already 
And so we had to get close to a sandbar so we could anchor out. And we anchored out and we started fishing. Judy was having such a good time. And, and I kept looking back behind us and I see a little flash of lightning. I said, baby, I said, we need to go. It's going to rain. I ain't going nowhere. It, it ain't going to rain. That's just, that's way off. About 10 minutes later, I said, baby, we need to go. I said, the rain's coming. You don't want to get caught down here at night when it's raining. I ain't going to say what she said. We had a, we had a little discussion, <laughs> and the anchor stayed. <laughs> but it... Cats never get to go fishing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Never. Yeah. She, she said, you know, we don't ever get to go. I'm going to stay here. We're going to fish. That cloud will pass over and all that. And I put my foot down in the boat, and we stayed there. You know, so, so anyway, we, we, were, we were there. We were fishing, and, and I looked back, and I saw a bolt of lightning. And uh, I really put my foot down then because you do things like that when you get scared. And so I really put my foot down, and I said, I'm rolling up, I'm pulling the anchor up, we're headed to the landing. Before I could get all my stuff in and get the anchor up, it was storming. One of those, one of those storms where I literally had to put the light down on the water to see which way the water was flowing to figure out the direction that we needed to go. I was shining around, and all of a sudden, I swiped across the front of the boat, and I didn't see Judy. <laughs> Scared me to death. I said, I said, Lord, I done lost my wife in this river. And I saw a red spot bob up in, in the front of the boat. Judy was down in the floor of the boat, <laughs> speaking in tongues. It's good to have a praying wife. She was praying in the Holy Ghost. God give my husband the wisdom to get us out of this mess. I don't know why I told you that and I lost my place there but but here's the thing we pray for rain we ask God send revival God do something in our community God do something in my life do something in my family God do something with my children do something in my ministry Holy Spirit said this morning, you need to start taking an umbrella. He said, because you're praying for rain, but you're not expecting rain. You're asking me to send rain to break the drought, but you're not toting an umbrella. Everybody's going to come next Sunday with an umbrella. Amen. I see that already. 
but do you understand what Holy Spirit is saying? I wondered why James would put that verse in James chapter 5 when he talked about Elijah was a man that was subject to the same passions as you and I are because that would bring him down from this lofty plane that we put these men of God and women of God on. It would bring him down to a place to where we could identify with him. It would let us know that, that this was attainable, that I could get there because if he was like me, if he, if he had some of the same struggles that I have, then he prayed. But the key is that he moved, he moved just at the sight of the cloud, Sister Deborah. He didn't wait for the rain. He responded to what he saw, a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Quit looking for the big things to happen. And start recognizing that when you pray, there's a cloud there. It's very small. But if you will respond to that small cloud, you, you more than likely are going to get wet. By faith. Would you stand with me, please? I know it's, it's, it's all backwards. I know we have altar call, invitation, prayer time, first of the service, then I preach and all that. I know that's kind of crazy. But here's the thing that I want to leave you with today. If you're going to pray for rain, an umbrella because Holy Spirit says I'm just waiting and looking for somebody that will pray that crazy prayer I'm looking for somebody that will step out and believe me for the impossible And that will tote their umbrella. Sister Sandy, can y'all come again? Till you come again. Because <clears throat> I don't want us to go out. We're not going to go out defeated. We're going to go out with joy. And I want you to understand that that I believe it's time for us to quit asking how big is God. I think it's time for us to quit asking God, can you do this? Because when I, when I pray for rain and I get my umbrella out, 
that means that I'm expecting God to do what I asked him to do. So I want to leave you with this challenge this morning. Just the umbrella. Just remember that. You don't have to remember anything else. Just remember the umbrella. Praying for rain. Noah had to fight the forces of hell when he was building a boat. Because God had said, it's going to rain. You people over here on this side, you're really getting a good dose this morning. I'm going to move over here. But for years, Noah, every day, driving nails in that ark. The Bible says in Hebrews that Noah moved with fear and built an ark for the saving of his family. And here's... I'm drifting back over here. But here's the thing. The one that opposes you, the one that comes against you, the one that laughs at you, that, does, that says all that stuff, you don't need to do all that, the one that, that talks down to you, God hasn't told them that it's going to rain. But God told you that it was going to rain. The ark that you build will be for their saving. So quit waiting for everybody to get in line behind you because they most likely are not going to do it. You do what God said. Get your umbrella. Because in our culture, nobody's toting them. In our culture, a bunch of people at church today, but nobody got an umbrella like I got. You understand what I'm saying? So here's the thing. As they, as they sing this morning... I'm not, if, if you want to come to the altar, I'm going to give you an opportunity. But if you don't, that's up to you. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. I believe it's time today. I believe it's time right now that some of you ladies and some of you men, young men, young ladies, I believe it's time today that you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm tired of dealing, I'm tired of playing, I'm tired of placating with all this stuff. I am believing God that he's going to do this. And, and when I pray and I ask God for rain, then you're going to see me with my umbrella because I'm drawing a line today and I'm believing that God is going to hear the prayer because I see a cloud out there that's very small, it's very minute, very little, but that's all I need. Because my umbrella is in my hand.